Father, we just surrender all the cares of our busy day. I know some of us rushed to get here. Other of us came from work. The responsibilities that we carry sometimes are overwhelming. Family situations that we need to address, financial needs that we need to have met. God, all those things that we need for life, we ask you, God, to provide for those things. But, Lord, today, more than anything, we invite your presence, Holy Spirit, in this place. God, we ask that we would surrender all our cares upon him who cares for us. Peter, give us great encouragement in that verse. So, Father, I pray today that I would, that you would empty me of myself, that I would just be a mouthpiece, that I would be just the newsboy delivering the gospel news, the good news, the great news, the almighty news, the eternal truth, that it would lift the hearer, that it would inspire, that it would challenge, that we would aspire to draw closer to God because we heard a word from the Lord tonight. That is my hope, that is my prayer, and that is my desire. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, I'm in a place in my life that I have never been, and uh, it's a great place to be in. I uh, had the privilege to go back home this past week, and uh, it was an interesting assignment. I went home, and I saw relatives that I hadn't seen in a long time, was able to, God used me and Wanda to really uh, minister to my sister, who's 60 years old now. When you hit those milestones, those are important. And we were there and uh, had time with her. And have a cousin who had suffered two, two strokes, almost back to back. And she's the first person that was the first Pentecostal believer in our family. And she took me to her Assembly of God church uh, in 1978 when I was a heathen. And I didn't want to hear nothing about God. But thank God that I had a cousin, Norma, and that's her name. And Norma wasn't going to hear any of that. She's my mother's, on the mother, my mother's side, she's her, her, her great niece. And uh, she's about five years older than I am. She fell in love with Jesus for real. And uh, she wanted to make sure that her cousin knew the Lord. I kind of feel like she was really a John the Baptist bringing uh, somebody along. And uh, so we met. We had uh, Easter service in her church. And I listened to a great message on the resurrection uh, in English and in Spanish. So I really enjoyed that. I think the highlight for me was meeting my brother. I have uh, my, my mother, my, me, my sister and I from my mom and dad, and then when my mother died, my, uh, my dad remarried a Pentecostal believer, uh, and he was able to come to Christ, and we led him to the Lord. She did her part, I did my part, the Holy Spirit did all the rest, 
Let's give credit where credit's due. Let's give it to the Holy Spirit who, who did the drawing and the convicting of sin and all this, the work of the Holy Spirit. And out of their marriage came my youngest brother named Alfred. Alfred is, I was, when my father passed away, I was 42 years old when my father passed away. Alfred was 16. Um, his mother did not want to see me even on this trip. I don't know if it was still concerned about the family inheritance, which, by the way, isn't much. It's hardly non-existent. I think I have the inheritance, uh, which I'm, I'm giving to my brother, uh, which is my dad's jewelry. It might be appraised for about maybe, maybe 2000 if best. Okay, so that's the inheritance that, uh, you know, family members squabble over. Uh, that, that, that we should never have to squabble as Christians over things that, how can I put it? Yes, we all need, uh, we all have needs, we all have financial needs, we all need inheritances. If they're given to us, then great. But you know the inheritance that I want more than anything else? It's not silver. It's not gold. It's not wealth. It's not position. It's not status. I want to be a joint heir with Christ one day in glory. Hallelujah. Can I get an amen if you want that? All right. I'm talking to the right crowd. Okay. Well, I am committed to uh, to teaching and preaching. So I'm going to focus on the teaching part, then I'm going to get to the preaching part. You have in your possession a handout. It has four blanks, correct? Okay. If you were to turn it on the back side, which is where I want you to go, I want to do a teaching moment. I, my Bible is, it's old. It's, it, it, the leather is falling apart. Uh, but I learned a long, long time ago, you might have heard this quote. If your Bible is falling apart, that means that you're not falling apart. Does anybody can relate to that? Okay. A worn out Bible is a treasured possession. We were just talking about possessions a moment ago. I treasure my Bible. My Bible has prophetic words that I wrote in the, in, in, in the, in the byline. When those words happen, the dates, I can go back and I can recall dates of when God was moving in my life and things were being done in my life. I wrote them all in my Bible. My Bible will belong to my children and my grandchildren. And uh, I'm really, I, of all the things that, that are possessions, I treasure my Bible the most. Um, can I tell you something? This is a place that is very special to me. I thought, I'm going to say something really significant now. I thought that Philadelphia was my hometown. But it's not the hometown of my, it was the hometown of my childhood. But today I can honestly say, this is my church home and this is my family. My DNA relatives that don't know Jesus ain't going to heaven with me. You are. Can I tell you that? Your DNA relatives that don't know Jesus ain't going where you are. 
But I want you to go and look at Jesus. And I want us to look at him in a way that I don't think I've ever preached this like this before. And at least I know I haven't. Um, I see Jesus as the Son of God. Uh, I can't begin to tell you how important he is to me because he's my Savior, he's my Lord, he's my Master, he's everything to me. I can't live a day without him, nor do I want to. Can I get a witness on that? Now, in my Bible, I have what they call a spirit-filled Bible, Jack W. Hayford from the Four Square Church, Pentecostal Church, um, and some other great contributors put together this Bible. Um, I got the page that I wanted you to see. It has in every book of the Bible, it has a truth and action at the very end of the page of the book. So this is, I'm preaching from the Gospel of John. So I want you to focus on, you can follow it all along, but I just want you to focus on one thing. Key lessons in faith. That's number five. That's the one that's by itself. The other four you can read at leisure, but I just want to highlight a couple of points, and then I'm going to preach. I'm teaching right now, then I'm going to go to preaching. The key lesson in faith. The key word in John's gospel is believe. Can I get a witness? Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Say amen. Do you believe he's the son of God? Do you believe he's the coming king? Do you believe that when he comes, he's looking for faith? Will he find it? Don't answer too quickly on that. Faith unlocks our understanding of Scripture and releases the Spirit's activity in our lives. Faith, like love, evidence itself in obedience. You want to know something? We got folks today that are fakers, pretenders, hypocrites, and they call themselves Christians. I have a neighbor who has the Jesus symbol in the back of her car, has told me she's a Christian, and then when she did something illegally wrong in our neighborhood, and I'm the president of the association, and I politely, privately told her this was wrong, not to do this, all of a sudden, she was parking in another person's driveway who happened to be away. The owner was away. So I'm just telling you the truth. I'm just, I'm just laying it out there. And when you drive in other people's driveway without permission, that's called that trespassing. Okay, that's an actual, that's an actual criminal crime. It really is. And then to top it all off, the vehicle that she was driving leaked oil and put oil stains on the driveway. So to add insult to injury. So I had told her, listen, the person that owns this unit is a New York policeman. He's coming back from New York to live in his home. She blew me off. 
that all of a sudden the New York cop shows up. Immediately, he applies the law. And then the next thing that comes out of her mouth is nothing but a, a tirade of lace profanity. I'm telling you, people that claim the name of Jesus should not curse. Come on, somebody. Now I'm going to go to preaching because I'm actually on the clock. I want to be obedient to my pastor. The title of this message is Kingdom Seekers. Now, when I was in Philadelphia, I didn't know if I was going to be able to go to church on Sunday. There happened to be a looked like a Catholic cathedral right next to the downtown Santa City Hotel. So I said, I looked, I looked at the service times. I said, Wanda, I know we're in the hotel, but I'm going to go to church service. They got Kingdom Seekers. That's the title of the message. Kingdom Seekers. And I'm going to go to that service Saturday at 10 o'clock. Wanda says, okay, honey, but I'm not dressed to go and I'm on vacation. I'm going to take a break. I said, you're entitled to that break. We can go tomorrow, the next day for church, which we had already thought we were going to do. So I went to church twice. Pentecostal people back in my day went to church eight times a week. I kid you not, true Pentecostal believers? I'm talking Papa's church in Puerto Rico. I'm talking church every single day and twice on Sunday. And get, let me tell you, that's three or four hour services back in those days. Telling you what I'm telling you the gospel truth. I'm not kidding you at all. And guess what? For a young person who was wet behind the ears, didn't know Jesus, that was the exact recipe for me. Because it took out a lot of carnality when I started realizing this is a holy walk. These people come to pray, these people believe in miracles, and then when I started seeing miracles happen, I said, Whoa, this God is powerful. <laughs> and then when I started to see the effects of how Jesus was changing me. He removed lust. He removed those carnalities, those issues. He was doing spiritual surgery. Come on, I'm just being real, being transplanted. So let me tell you about this kingdom seeker. I go to this church, 10 o'clock on Saturday. I'm there, and all of a sudden, I go up to the front. I said, hey, I'm, I'm here for church service. He said, well, brother, um, are, are, you a, are, are you a minister? I said, yes, I am. Well, guess what? You're preaching today. I said, I am? I thought I'm on vacation, in season and out of season. You know what I'm saying? He says, you know what? Our, our regular minister, it's Easter weekend. He can't make it. And you're an answer to prayer. God sent you. I said, okay. I can't argue with that. God sent me. It was a homeless soup kitchen. And guess what? That's exactly where I needed to be. Because if you can preach in a soup kitchen to people who don't want to hear nothing about Jesus, who are just here for the meal, and, 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 and hey, let me tell you, it gets rough in those soup kitchens. One guy was squeezing his girlfriend tight. I said, hey, we got church. He looked at me like, you're interrupting my squeeze. I'm just keeping it real. But you know what? I have never been ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If I'm going to love Jesus, I'm going to love him to the end of my life. I'm going to die loving my Jesus. I saw my daddy finish well. I saw my mama finish well. I saw Papa and Wanda's mama finish well. 
I got a cloud of witnesses up there that say, Dominic, you better finish well. Oh, let me preach. I'm preaching, but let me. Woo, I feel the anointing. I don't know about you. Let's look at this kingdom seeker. The first fill-in, I want you to write a religious seeker named Nicodemus. A religious seeker. We're going to stay in the Gospel of John. If you notice all the biblical references, you got them. So I'm going to summarize these points. You can read them later. It's good reading, too, by the way. It's the Word. But here you got this guy named Nicodemus. He comes at night. He's a teacher and a ruler. He's a person that we would consider high society. He was a prominent leader. He comes to investigate the claims that this guy that's doing miracles, he must be somebody great because God is working in his life and using him to do miracles, so he must be somebody important. How many of you know even politicians want to get close to to a good connection? Hey, that's the truth. So guess what? Nicodemus comes when? Not during the daylight. He didn't want to be seen with Jesus. Come on now. Let's tell it like it is. He's coming at night. And he's being real careful. He's coming almost like we would say stealth mode. He's asking. He's coming as a teacher to inquire, to investigate the claims of this miracle worker named Jesus. Now, I want you to hear something. He comes, and this is the question that he asks. He asks him, it's in verse 3. He says, the, oh, I'll start at verse 2. The man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher, come from God, for no one can do these signs. Another word for signs is miracles. That you do unless God is with him. So he wanted to get close to the man who was close to God. Okay? All right. He wants, they get into this dialogue about being born again. That was the question. How to be born again? Can you want to know something? Jesus used a little sarcasm. Aren't you a teacher of Israel? And you don't know, basically? So Jesus is kind of telling Nicodemus, you come inquiring But really, what are you seeking, Nicodemus? Basically, he's trying to put, give Nicodemus a moment of truth. Here's what I believe this religious seeker, Nicodemus, is really, he was seeking answers to the miracles done by Jesus. Can I tell you something? The Gospel of John records Nicodemus three times. The first time he's in chapter 3 seeking for the miracles. People ain't seeking for Jesus. They're seeking miracles and belief. Be the God of wonders. Do something for me, God. I don't want to serve you. I don't want to worship you. But I sure want you to bless me. That's the religious seeker, Nicodemus. He's inquiring about miracles. And in the course of that discussion, he's asking about being born again. Because Jesus starts the conversation that way. But the second time Nicodemus makes a religious seeking view... I want you to see. He's defending Jesus to the Sanhedrin. So here's what I see about Nicodemus. He starts out 
inquiring about miracles and signs and wonders. He's a religious seeker. But he ends up growing in his faith. He progressively starts to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. I mean, he advised the Sanhedrin to avoid rash actions against Jesus. That's John 7.51 is where Nicodemus makes that statement. Then, after the crucifixion of, of Jesus, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea. Now Nicodemus is in broad daylight. Now Nicodemus finally really believes. He knows he's the son of God. He knows that he's the savior of the world. He knows that he believes in Jesus, and he don't care who knows about it. He even goes to punch his pilot with Joseph of Arimathea. John chapter 19, verses 39 and 41 tell you that. So we see the three references of Nicodemus in the Gospel of John. He's progressively getting closer to Jesus, believing more. I hope tonight, if you're here and you're a seeker and you're a religious seeker, that you progressively want to grow in your relationship with Jesus, like Nicodemus. And then at the end of his day, in the Acts in John 19, he's not ashamed of Jesus. He's flat out saying, look, can I anoint his body? Can I prepare it for burial? Pontius Pilate, can you do me a favor? Wow. What a transformation. Huh? Isn't that something? Okay, so we got the religious seeker down. Let's talk about the next seeker. This one, if you're taking your fill-in, a social outcast seeker, otherwise known as a Samaritan woman. Oh, man. Samaritan woman. This ain't a religious lady at all. This is a woman who's been with five husbands, and the man she would is a shacked-up partner, her, her live-in boyfriend. This is a woman that had to go to the well at noontime because they didn't want her. The women of the village didn't want her getting water in the morning like all of them because she was the town mm-mm-mm-mm. I can't repeat what that means. You get what I'm saying. She was the town bourgeoisie or businesswoman, as, I, as we might say. That was the impression, okay? Because she had been with five husbands, and this was the sixth person that wasn't her husband. And let me tell you, ladies, help me out here. When women know that there's a lady that's catching every guy, they put their mouth on that woman besides... I see some of you shaking your head like, yeah, that, that's true. Folks, they do more than put their mouth. They start talking about her. They start making that woman's life a pure hell. So that woman couldn't go when the other women went to get water in the morning. She had to go in the midday at the noon hour. But how many of you know God is still seeking sinners? God is still saving people. The Son of God came to seek and save us. Somebody. Oh, that's Luke 19.10, by the way. It says, Son of Man on that one. So here's what I'm telling you. She's tired. She's mistreated. But guess what happens? She's a social outcast. Anybody else that you know is a social outcast? There was a little guy named, wee little guy named Zacchaeus. He was a social outcast. But guess what happened? When he saw Jesus come by, he listened. And he received him, right? 
multitude was amazed that Jesus, first off, Jesus broke all social barriers. Jesus is a Jew talking to a Samaritan who they considered a Gentile. You don't do that in Jesus' day. Second, Jesus is talking to a woman of ill repute who's got a bad reputation. Come on now. First off, men don't talk to women back in those days. Men consider women in the Bible times property, only good for three things. Some of you are looking at what are the three things? Have children, cook meals, and, 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 and take care of the husband's business, whatever that was. If he was a sheep herder, they would help him with the sheep. That was it. Women were viewed in Jesus' day as property. Jesus broke that social barrier because he's ministering to a woman that really was considered the worst of the worst. But yet Jesus wasn't looking at social status. He wasn't looking at man's barrier. He was looking, that's a soul that needs to hear the message of hope. That's a person that needs to be loved. That's a person that God cares about. Thank God God cares. That's why that homeless uh, kitchen kingdom seekers, that was right up my alley. Because if I can't minister to them, then who am I to minister to you? When it's all nice and padded pews and you're smelling good and you're looking right, but that homeless person out in the street that you ignore, hey, Jesus died for them too. Come on now. All right. Let me go on and hit this third point. I'm moving quick. Oh, this next one, this next seeker, the chosen people seeker. Uh-oh. The Jews. This one, I got to read some scripture. I got to go to John chapter 8. Oh, man. Mm -mm -mm. The chosen people seeker. Oh, boy. Now, I'm going to go to this reference here. John 8, 31. I'm going to read this passage. This this you got to listen. John 8, 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, There are believing Jewish people today. Hello, they're Hebrew Christian people today. Are you hearing me? Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Let me just stop there for a second. If we Gentiles abide in the word of God, we're his disciples indeed. It just isn't for the Jews to abide. It's for everyone else in the whole world to abide in his word, abide in him. Now, let's go to the next verse. Next verse is one of the all-time famous verses. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, remember, he's talking in the context of believing Jews. He's telling them, look, you've got to believe the truth. The truth is going to set you free of what? Of tradition? Of unbelief? of being part of the religious circle and clique. Because you know, you know that only the high priest can go in the holies of holies. Now this person starts to talk and look. Verse 33, they answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? So now, 
the people that don't believe in Jesus are having a serious argument or discussion. They're telling Jesus, wait a minute, who are you, basically, to tell us that the truth's going to set us free? We're of Abraham's descendants. We're chosen. We're better. We got the pedigree. We're connected to Abraham. Who are you connected to? Ain't you from Nazareth? Nothing good comes from there. We don't heard about you. Who do you think you are? I'm just, I'm just giving you a little, little foretaste of it, you know. All right, let's read on. Now Jesus answered them, Most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. He's addressing freedom and slavery right there. You're a slave to sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. So what's Jesus saying? Let me give it to you really straight. What Jesus is saying, that it's not about religious ritual. Jesus died for relationship. A son gets to abide with Father God forever. We are children of the Most High God. Jesus is the Son of God, and he wants us, his brothers and sisters, to be part of the family of God. So that's why he came. He came for us to have relationship. But those unbelieving Jews were concerned about their religious pedigree. They were concerned about their traditions and their rituals. Jesus did not die for rules. Let me help you. Jesus didn't die for the steeple. Jesus died for the, so, say it, for the people. So it's about relationship. Don't let nobody get you confused. Well, you know, why did Jesus die? He died so that we could have eternal life, so that we could be in relationship forever with him. Keep it simple. Keep it true. All right, let me move on. All right. So these chosen people, they're, they're having issues. Now, I want you to read verse 36. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Let me tell you, are you free in Jesus? Have you accepted Jesus, the Son of God, as your Lord and Savior? Because that's the only way you're going to be truly free. You can't be fake free. You can't, you can't want to be free. You're either free or a slave. You're not in the middle. There is no middle ground. You're either free or you're a slave. Slave to sin or free in God. All right? And it's a matter of choice. Okay. Now let's go on to this other passage that's in that same chapter. And that's 53 and 55. I love this. The Jews continue to have an angry dialogue. It gets more angrier. Imagine you reading this chapter and you just finished telling me, what? I'm connected to Abraham? And you just called me, what? Son of the devil? I mean, that's, that's John 8, 44. He, he said that a few verses before he gets to 53. He's telling them, look, you're a slave to sin. You don't abide in me. You don't have no part in me. You don't believe in me. You're, your father, yeah, you got a father, right? Your father's the devil. Oh, can you imagine how angry they got, how upset they got? <laughs> Did they want to kill him? Oh, you better believe it. He's just telling me like it is. Matter of fact, Verse 53, are you greater than our father Abraham who is dead and the prophets are dead? Who do you make yourself out to be? That's an indicting question, people. That's not a pleasant question. Who do you make yourself out to be? They're indicting Jesus. They're accusing.
cursing Jesus. They want to know what right do you have to talk about Abraham? Are you greater than Abraham? Come on, now get the picture. Here it is. And I love what Jesus answered. Mm, love you, Jesus. Jesus answered, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father who honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. Yes, you had not known him, but I know him. Look, folks, you got to know Jesus. You got to know God. But I know him, and if I say I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you. Jesus didn't mix any words. He said, you don't believe? You don't receive God? You're, and you, you're not free. You're a liar. You've got a false sense of freedom. You're lying to yourself. Mm. I shall be a liar like you, but I do know him and keep his word. All right, let me camp here. If you know Jesus, believe the whole Bible and live the whole Bible. You can't just say you love Jesus with lip service. You either believe he's the son of God, he's worthy of our worship, he's worthy of our obedience, he's worthy of our service, he's worthy of everything. Well, you don't. See, here's the thing. Saying, I, when I told my wife I love you, then she said, okay, let's see the action. 36 years later, she knows I'm still with her. And you know, because every time I call her queen, let me tell you, I, she is the queen. She's got the big visa account with thousands of dollars. I got less than 200 in mine. I'm okay. Money is not my issue, people. My love for my wife is extravagant. But guess what? She's second to one. You know who she's second to? Jesus. You think I'm extravagant with her and my kids? And I am. I'm an over-the-top, exaggerated, loving God type of guy. Look, I'm not your mealy mouth. You know me, so I don't have to tell you who I am. I'm way loud, and I'm proud of being a man of God. But at the end of the day, I want to shut my mouth when he's in my presence. And he's in my presence all the time. You know why? Because he's God. When the Holy Ghost is talking, Dominic better keep his mouth quiet. Let me tell you another thing about Dominic, which I think you already know. I receive correction well. I receive correction well. Some of you can testify. You're smiling at me. You know why? Because the child you love, you discipline so that he can be a better child. I'm in love by God. I'm in love by the Holy Ghost. They love me. When I mess up, I own it. And then I repent. Because I want to stay fresh in my relationship with God. And then I want to say, Father, forgive me. Help me not to do that again. All right? That's how you know who's the real person and who's the pretender. The pretenders will never receive correction. Oh, I didn't do nothing wrong. Uh -uh, I'm better than that. Mm -mm. My pride tells me you can't talk to me. Let's talk to the ham. Can't talk to me. Folks, Jesus is still looking for seekers that seek him. All right, last one. Oh, we're going to talk about the lady. Mm. We're going, the last one in your feeling is the stressed out seeker named Martha. The stressed out seeker named Martha. Okay, show of hands, how many of you are dealing with stress? Remember, you're in the house of God, you can't lie. There's a whole bunch of you dealing with stress. Hey, look, I got my hand up too. And you know what I stress? Here's what I stress. I don't want to fail God. I'm going to devote the rest of my life to being a missionary. And I'm in my first few months of being a missionary. 
and I'm a baby missionary. And already, the enemy of God's best is something good. I have one person in this room, and I think there's a second person that knows a little bit. I'm talking about a lady I call Mama Patsy Prince. Two weeks ago, Brother Terry, you were here, and a couple of gentlemen, friends of mine, showed up. They were bishops of the Lord's Church. They wanted me to be a bishop. They wanted me to oversee three Spanish churches. They wanted me to leave this place called First Assembly and get connected to them. It's called the first test that God gives you is a test of loyalty. Look, I've been doing this for 38 years. This is not my first rodeo. But guess what? I've never been a missionary before. And you know what they offered me? Let me tell you what they offered me. They said, hey, Brother Rodriguez, you come and you be part of our network next year when you're officially a bishop, we'll make sure you get half of the proceeds of the missions convention. You know what I had to tell them? I love you, brother, but I can't do that. Did I not tell them that, Patsy? She's a witness. Folks, you're going to get tested. You're going to have to stand for Jesus no matter what. Are you willing to stand? What does Ephesians 6 tell us? Having done all, stand. Why are we standing? Because the king is our king. And when the king comes in the room, any military people here. When the commanding officer comes in the room, what's the first thing you got to do? Stand to your feet at attention. Am I telling the truth or am I telling a lie? That's the first response is to stand. Why do you think in Ephesians chapter 6 in warfare he tells us to stand? Because he wants us to stand because the king of glory is coming. Now, you know what? I'm glad I, I, I passed that test. But you know what I also did? Let me tell you what I did. I had a private conversation with my pastor. You see, I love Pastor Bill. I hope to be where he's at today. He's on the mission field in Spain in his mid-80s with Miss Carolyn trying to advance the kingdom of God. Now, that's a pastor that we can be proud of because guess what? He's not following political correctness. He's not looking at retirement. He don't believe in that. He's going to be a pastor and a servant till he dies. That's the goal for all of us who are in Christ. Can I get an amen on that? All right. Now, let me tell you something else. I talked to Pastor. I said, it's my first year of being a missionary. This is my church home. You are my brothers and sisters. Some of you have known me for 10 years or more. Alan Tawana, you've known me for about 10 years, right? Yeah. James Jordan, you've known me for about 12 years, correct? All the way from new beginnings. At least 12 years. Now, have I been loud 12 years ago? Was I a loud person 12 years ago? All right. Alan Tawana, was I a loud person 10 years ago? Let me tell you, when God saves you, he doesn't change your character. He just, he just transforms you. Guess what that is? That's an alarm clock, folks. I got five minutes to finish my message, and I'm on my final point. So I'm doing pretty good because I made a promise to myself 
I wasn't going to go over time. Last time I didn't, I apologize to Pastor Bill. See, when you get corrected, and I corrected myself, not only that, my daughter chewed me out left and right. I raised my children to stand up for truth. Both my son and my daughter are Bible quiz champions for the state of Nebraska. They know more Bible than most people in, in seminary. We raised our kids in the Word. How do you think I memorized so many Bible verses? Because I had to drill that in them because I was their coach. And they won the state award for best Bible quiz champion in Nebraska. My son and my daughter. First time ever, two from the same family. To the glory of God. Not to Dominic's glory, but to God's glory. But let me tell you, because I only got four minutes, and I will be done in four minutes or less. I told Pastor Bill, and I want your encouragement this year. I need your prayer. Of anything I'm going to ask of you, I'm going to ask for your prayers. Because God can touch. When I start to preach around this North Florida air, which I'm about ready to do, I'm about ready to leave the church and start to itinerate. That's what every missionary has to do. They got to raise their support. You know what I told Pastor Bill? I told Pastor Bill, I'm not going to ask for no money from this congregation for this year. You know why? Because Dominic and Wanda made a commitment to next step. Folks, you've got to honor your vows. You've got to honor your commitments. What kind of man of God would I be if I don't honor my commitment? Did Jesus honor his commitment? Yes. Did he honor it a little bit or did he honor it all? Okay. So who are we? People that are Christian, Christ-like. So let's honor our commitment. Let's pay our next step. Let's do our part for the kingdom's sake. Now, that means that Dominic can't ask none of you for money, and I won't. But I will tell you this. Y'all pray for me that when the churches I go to, I'm going to live off a of love offerings for the rest of my life. I am going to commit to this. I'm going to fast and pray for the rest of my life for the souls of the people of Africa of India. There's 59 nations that God has given me as my assignment. But I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I need you to pray because I'm going to ask. I was told to ask somebody that has a lot of resources for financial help. When that brother told me that, I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, go ask. Get ready. You know her. She's one of the top evangelists that's a female. Who am I talking about? Who's the number one female evangelist in America? Huh? Joyce Myers. I'm going to make a big ass to Joyce Myers. So you be praying that when I ask Joyce about missions and supporting Dominic, she won't look at me and say, Whoop, who's that? I don't know him. Then she says, you know what? That guy's pretty daring. He's pretty bold. He asked me for money. Folks, let me tell you the secret of being a powerful person in God. First of all, fall in love with Jesus, number one. That's number one. Out of that love that you have for God, obey God, obey the word. That's number two. But here's number three. Number three is very important. Jesus prayed. He was the example. He was the intercessor. He was the role model in prayer. Of all the things that the disciples could have asked, they only asked one thing. Lord, teach us how to pray. So guess what Dominic's going to do? Dominic's going to be a big asker because I serve a big God. He said, the wealth of the wicked is stored for the righteous. Come on, somebody. I'm going to go out there 
Look, I'm going to be preaching in Spanish and English and sometimes Spanglish. I'm just telling you like it is. So here's my message tonight. Are you a seeker of God? The last paragraph says it real plainly. If you're here tonight you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this is your opportunity to seek him. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and I'm going to pray. And we're going to be dismissed after that prayer. It'll be 8 o'clock. Father, I pray today that we would not only be a hearer of the word, but a doer. Father, that you would allow Holy Spirit to examine every life that's in the hearing of my voice. That they would examine their heart to see if they're a true seeker. The chosen people of God chose not to receive Jesus as their God. And today, people are still making that choice. But, Father, I'm talking to my family members. I'm asking each one of us to examine our heart and make it right with God that we're genuine seekers. So, Father, I pray that this message, and when they read it later and process it, that you would speak to them and let them all of us be genuine seekers that go to heaven and be with Jesus forever and ever, celebrating the Son of God and the King of Kings. He's coming back for a bride that's prepared, for a church without spot or blemish, for a people that have made a decision that I will seek God with all my heart, my mind, my body, and soul. That's the first commandment. We're to love God with all our heart, mind, body, and soul. And the second one is like the first. We're to love our neighbor like we love ourselves. So, Father, let them know we are Christians that love God and not ashamed. And that we seek you in all times, in all places, and in every circumstance. We ask your blessing on us as we are about ready to be dismissed. Bless each and every one of us in the sound of my voice. In Jesus' name I pray. Bless them now. Amen.